Welcome to the Advisor Arena Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. This show is designed to share ideas and help you gain insight from some of your most successful peers. We will discuss industry news, hot topics, and challenges you may face, as well as give you some possible solutions. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Advisor Arena podcast. With me, as always, is Josh Watson and Tony Shore. Welcome to you both. Thanks for being here today. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks. I think today's topic is going to fall under one of the, you know, one of the categories that you can't communicate enough on this, right? It's kind of a confusing topic. It's definitely one that you want to be proactive with your clients about. And we're talking about the biggest tax legislation really to pass in the last three years. Secure Act 2.0 is what we're going to talk about today. Wait, didn't that already pass? Yeah, Secure Act 2.0. But so, it, just, it just passed, right? Yep. So this is part of the biggest tax legislation to pass in the last three years. This is, I would say, arguably has the most changes in it since the original Secure Act in 2019. So anybody has looked at this, the SECURE Act is actually, I think, 400 pages of this omnibus spending bill, which is 4,000 pages with like 90 provisions in it. So don't worry, we're only going to cover like 80 of those today. Really keep you on your on your toes and have it be super <laughs> Only 80 exciting. pages of uh, governmental uh, laws. Great. Yeah. I mean, exciting stuff here, guys. Yeah. I don't know what else you could ask for. But we don't want any of our advisors to fall into a situation where their clients are hearing about this from somebody other than them. In fact, right. part of this that we're going to talk about today actually passed in October of 2022. And when I came back to the office, January, what was that, third when we came back in, one of our top advisors had emailed me and said, hey, is this true, dot, 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 and asked about one of the provisions that we're going to talk about today. He totally missed that it passed and it had already been in place for months, a specific category. So we're going to talk about really three categories that are in the Secure Act 2.0 that we think are going to be most impactful for your clients. First is the changes to RMDs, second, contribution limits, and then the third, flexibility and really what opportunities that's opened up for your clients with retirement accounts. Yes, I, th I think the RMD age uh, requirement, I think that that one's interesting. So uh, as part of, the, of part of the new act, it's actually gone up to 73. If you recall, it increased recently to 72 uh, from 70 and a half. So that continues to go up, which is a big change. Wow. Um, as long as you turn 73 in 2023 or after, then you qualify to wait. So. Yeah. And I, here's the thing about the RMDs. I don't know how long I should have probably looked this up. I don't know how long it was 70 and a half, but it seemed like forever. And the original secure act is when they bumped it to 72. Now they're raising it to 73. We know it's already scheduled to go up again in 2033 to age 75. And so wow. the question becomes like, why, you know, so my, my, Grandpa, I think, always told me, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. But really, we have to think about, well, why would the government want to extend the age in which you have to take RMDs? Because ultimately, they want their money, right? They want to get the tax money. They want to get that revenue. But part of the Secure Act 2.0 is to 
set every community up for retirement enhancement. And so they're looking at ways in which they can help people be more successful with their retirement planning and, you know, really have opportunities for growth and being able to postpone when you are required to take those distributions and pay taxes on it is a good thing for everybody. Um, one of the other things with RMDs is they decrease the penalty for not taking it. That penalty for not taking RMDs for years has been 50% of the amount you should have taken. 50, Yeah, 5 yeah, That that's, is such a steep penalty. Every year, Josh, right, we get calls from agents that are like, whoops, my client forgot to take their RMD. How can I fix this? And unless you really have a strong case to get an exception, it's very difficult to turn those around. So the penalty decreased from 50 to 25. And then they said, well, we'll reduce it even further down to 10% if you correct it in a timely manner. So I guess it'll remain to be seen what timely manner means, but still really good news there, I think across the board for required minimum distributions. Totally. And then something that kind of goes along with that is uh, in inherited IRAs and RMDs on inherited IRAs. I know that's uh, even for me talking about it every single day, that's become really confusing, uh, advising on telling people what to do. So uh, there's been a little clarification there. Um, so that's good. Yeah, that's actually the instance that I was referring to. We got the email from the advisor saying, hold up, wait, did I miss something? Is this actually what it is now? And the clarification for RMDs actually came in October. But I don't, you know, even in our industry, I don't remember seeing like a ton of info that came out on this. It just kind of, you know, there had been talks about it for months leading up to that. And when they made the decision, it really wasn't like clearly announced, in my opinion. So this has created a lot of confusion. The original interpretation for the inherited IRA change went from being able to take, you know, that stretch that tax deferral over your lifetime to only being able to stretch it over 10 years. And the original interpretation was you didn't have to take anything out annually. As long as I disperse that by the end of the 10 years, I'm good to go. And so that's the assumption that we've operated under. And in October that was clarified and, and the IRS said, no, actually you do have to take annual RMDs over the 10 year period. You can't just wait until the end of the 10th year unless you're an eligible designated beneficiary, an EDB. And how many questions do we get about what in the hell is an EDB? And how do I know if I am one? So there's lots of things in there. And, and to just the high level here, EDB would be like a spouse, a minor child, a beneficiary that's within 10 years of your same age. Um, so there are a few that are grandfathered into the previous rules. But the important thing here, I think, because I imagine we have some advisors that are listening to this right now, they're like, shoot, I was operating under the assumption that we didn't have to do this until the end of the 10th year, the penalties being waived for anything that should have been taken in 2021 and 2022. So if you didn't do it last year, don't worry. A bunch of other people didn't do it also because there was so much confusion and they changed it at the you know 11th hour. But you got to know how to handle that moving forward. We don't want to make that mistake this year. So inherited IRA rules, big one. Mm -hmm. 
Totally agree. So kind of switch gears here. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the contribution increases. So with the uh, with the Secure Act, um, they've increased catch up provisions. They've increased the amount that you can actually contribute to a 401k and IRA. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yep. So across the board, we've all kind of gotten used to increased contributions, right? We get we get a little bump every year and it'll be the same this year too. However, we've got some unique things. So one of them, which actually doesn't start until 2025, but they uh, peeled off ages 60 to 63, where they said, if you're in this range, you can actually make catch-up contributions of an additional $10,000 to a workplace plan. And then starting this year, which is great news for people with an employer plan, employers can make a match to a Roth 401k. And some people may be saying, so, well, that hasn't been available. Employer matches have only been available for the pre-tax plans, not the after-tax plan. So we'll have to wait and see how, you know, how long it takes for companies to get set up for that and being able to administer that. But that starts now. That's a big one. So they've been available for 401ks. Obviously, you can get a traditional 401k match, but a lot of companies now offer Roth 401ks. And I think what this does is allow the employer to now start offering a match to the Roth 401k. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Yep, exactly. So that's awesome. I like that. Yep. It's a good one. And and I think more flexibility seems to be a theme here as well, right? So we're going to come back to more things with the Roth, but here's a few other things to be aware of with opportunities and flexibility. When we think about flexible retirement plans, 529 plans are probably one of the most inflexible things that you could have set up. You know, how many times have you probably talked to clients who wanted to set up a 529 plan for their their child when they were younger or grandparents wanted to set it up? If they don't use that for college educations or approved higher learning education expenses, there's nothing else to do with that money, right? That's how you get it out tax-free. Now, with this new Secure Act 2.0, they've said 529 plan assets can actually be rolled over to a Roth IRA for the beneficiary if they don't end up needing or wanting it for college education expenses. Wow. So that's, think about- that's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Think about all these kids that maybe have these 529 plans and they end up getting a scholarship or they end up not going to college. You know, do they don't need that money? It has been really inflexible, just no other option. So the ability to roll that to a Roth is big. Some of the, I think, uh, naysayers about this have said, you know, that's just catering to high net worth people, giving them another opportunity to get money into a Roth when, you know, really that's not what it was designed for. There are some caveats to this. So one, 529 plan has to have been in place for 15 years. So it really is designed for people who had this true intention of using it for college education and then something changed. And there's an aggregate lifetime limit of what you can convert or roll to a Roth of 35,000. So I think that keeps the the spirit of it in, you know, this is a way that it can be flexible if your needs change. So that, that was a big one. I think if you look at flexibility then with like, um, employers that are setting up new 401k accounts or 403b accounts, automatic enrollment is going to be part of the Secure Act 2.0. So they're going to be required to automatically enroll employees. And, and here's what I like about it that goes along with that. 
a lot of times new employees, young employees, right? They may not set up any kind of contributions for themselves because they have such high student loan debt. They, they have to make a decision, either this little bit of extra money that I have, I can either set aside for my future retirement or I can pay down student loan debt. One of the things that is now in place, and I think this starts in 2024, employers will be able to match employee student loan payments with matching payments to a retirement account. So if I'm an employee that has student loan debt, whatever amount I am paying down to my student loan debt, my employer can match that same amount and put it in a retirement plan for me. To me, that is huge in helping people, especially younger people, get a jump on saving when it's going to be most beneficial for them early, right? So I think that's a huge one. Yes, that's that's really good, actually. And uh, like you said, gives more people the opportunity to take advantage of saving. And I think they've done a really good job on this one and rolling out some things that can really help people. So good time to uh, to brush up on it, look into this a little bit further, because like you were saying, like on even on the Roth 401k contributions and the employer not being able to do the match. I'll be honest, I didn't know that was the case. So things like that are very good to know. And and like that 529 plan, I mean, my wife and I, the, all of these things, uh, especially the 529 and the Roth 401k, uh, a, a lot of people don't understand this. And I that's why I think it's important for advisors out there, for our advisors to be really shouting this stuff and talking about it as much as possible with their clients or if they do a podcast or a newsletter mentioning these changes and saying, hey, there's a lot to it and a lot more come in. We'll talk about it. It's a great chance to reconnect to their uh, clients and prospects. And I think that this is something people want to know. People need to be talking about these things because they're in this one more so, I think, than the first Secure Act, at least for me personally and my family. Uh, This is stuff that really uh, the, some of these are game changers and really important changes that people need to know about. Right. And where I said at the beginning, this falls under the category of you can't really over communicate something like this. People right. remember a fraction of what you tell them. Right. I mean, even the advisors that live and breathe this every day that are listening to this podcast, you're going to remember about 10 percent of what we said, most likely. Right. And we probably remember 10 percent of what we read. So it's important to know that your clients just want to know that you are on this, that they have a resource for this. They don't necessarily care about every nuance of every detail and going through it with a fine tooth comb, but they do want to know that you're on top of it, that you're aware of it, that you can help them kind of pinpoint where there are opportunities within the Secure Act 2.0 that may impact them, that may impact their families. So however you want to be proactive with this, if you want to start with something as simple as like a drip email communication over the next month or so, just making people aware of some of the nuances within this. If you want to get a social media campaign set up, if you want to mail something out, like you said, Tony, incorporate into your newsletter, your podcast. I mean, this could really be the theme of what you're talking about for the next four to six weeks. It's a current event and it's an important current event, one that is impactful for them and one that's going to be impactful for them over the next couple of years as these changes come to fruition. So I would say if anybody is listening, if you think, you know what, I have not been proactive with this or I haven't been as thorough, you know, maybe I mentioned it once in a newsletter or I, I did one social media post on this, 
make sure your clients know you are a resource for this. Don't let them hear this from somebody else and be out there trying to search for for details on it. You come to them with it. And if you need help, if you want to put it together, that's what we are here for. That's literally our job. So call us, email us. You know, you can reach us at theadvisorarena at gradientfg.com. Just email us, let us know. Need help with the Secure Act 2.0. We've got you. Thank you. Did I forget anything? No, I thought it went great. Okay. I forgot. I already forgot Josh Watson's last name. Oh, wait, it is Watson. Okay. (laughs) Watson. Yeah. Randy Watson. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. That wraps it up for today. We appreciate you being with us for another episode. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 